all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious in the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. I trust that this finds you well today and that you've been able to steal away a few minutes to sort of quiet your heart in the middle of the pace of life that we all know that we can get in. I've been encouraged this week in the sweetest way of who is out there listening to this podcast as I've been out on the road with my sweet friend, Jenny Allen, on the Freedom Project Tour. And I've gotten to get face-to-face with many of you, including some of the patrons of this podcast, which I always respond with a huge hug around the neck because it means so much to me to have that kind of support in this work. But many of you through tears have told me specific ways that God has spoken to you and touched your heart. And believe me when I say that I know you needed to tell me those things, but I also needed to hear them. So thank you. You can ask my husband, Nathan. I walk away every time, completely blown away at the intentionality of God and how He speaks to our hearts at just the right time and how it's always for the sharing. It just helps me know that this work is the right work for this season. I've been reminded of that, and it's been a really sweet thing. I know that an episode every other week doesn't seem like a lot of work, but the way I specifically have chosen to do this podcast actually requires so much preparation. So it just helps me know that it's all worth it when I see your beautiful faces and I hear your beautiful stories. And it's why I call you beautiful people, because you are and you bless me so much. So thank you. I told Jenny for us to be able to be up in the New England area together this past week was the right work as well. First of all, the church is alive in New England, even though it might be small. God is working up there, and there's a hunger for God's Word and for His Spirit to work and move. So please pray for church planters in New England. That's something you might not just think of all the time. Many older churches are kind of dying up there, and the new church plants are very small, and it's like forging a brand new unknown path. Some of the places Jenny and I got to preach and sing Jesus to are 2% church communities. Can you imagine? There's not a church on every corner like it is in the South, like what we're used to. It's hard to find a church for miles. Some women drove five to seven hours or so, or maybe even more, to be with us at these nights. And they told us it was the largest gathering of women that they have ever been to up in New England. Each night we were there, I felt such a spiritual responsibility as a worship leader to let them hear themselves sing some, not just for the beauty of the harmonies, which are so beautiful, but to hear and have a sense that the church is alive in dark and even dead places, that they would not feel alone, but a togetherness and a unity that the Spirit of God was with them, igniting something that would still burn in them long after we've moved on to the next place. Sometimes as a leader, it's what we don't say or sing that allows the breath of God to come in and do what only He can do. It's such a beautiful responsibility when we can be aware that we are partnering with God today in bringing heaven to earth. I've said it to you before, even a smile across the counter at the grocery store is you partnering with God today to let His smile come across your face and let your eyes meet someone else's in kindness today. We get to partner in God's work, His mercy, His kindness, and His life and freedom today, which is what this tour has been all about. I love having that same awareness as I take the stage every night that God has already been stewarding all the stories that represent that room full of people. He has already been working and moving and restoring. And for me to barge in with an agenda 
would be a travesty. (laughs) Instead, even today, as I take the mic, I yield to the God of our stories, and I ask Him to breathe in, partnering carefully and humbly with Him who knows all, sees all, and who truly does the work I'm called to. We're getting a little bit of time home before we head back out on this same tour I'm talking about. If you're listening to this in real time and before October 28th or so, be sure to check out freedomprojecttour.com to see if Jenny and I are going to be in a city near you. We would love for you to join us on these very special nights. Also, Speaking of tour nights, I wanted to remind you that tickets are available now for our Night of Hope, a family Christmas that's coming up. The first four nights will include Anne Bosscamp, which I'm so looking forward to partnering with Anne on those nights. And then our children will be involved, as I've told you, on this tour again, as well as my sweet friend, Molly Moody, who's a new artist and worship leader who we're so excited to introduce to you. She's just released her debut album called Heart Songs that's also available now. That is absolutely stunning. I'm so proud of her. Our prayer on these nights is we feel like we want them to just be sort of this pause in the middle of the craziness of the season, much like I always hope this podcast is for you and for us to really come around the beauty of the Savior together and the beauty of the season. You're going to hear songs old and new. We're going to worship together and come uniquely around the story again because it's what we're made and called to do as the body of Christ together and remember together so that we can go out and be the hands and feet of Christ and the hope of Christ to the world. That's what this night is all about. These are times for us to fight for and cherish and look forward to. So we hope that you'll join us on one of those nights. Well, since the last episode, Nathan and I got to participate in such a lovely experience that I kind of wasn't expecting a few weeks ago as we hosted a group of songwriters from kind of all over the place at a studio in Cisco, Texas, I know, Cisco. It's pretty random. Actually, I'd never heard of it before. But turns out there's a family in Cisco that had the means and the heart to build a pretty amazing recording studio facility as a gift to their children and to the community of Cisco with the hopes of ministry to happen within its walls. And we partnered with some guys that run the studio there to bring in some worship leaders and songwriters for a two-day retreat where Nathan and I got to share from our own story our songs and our lives with some pretty amazing people. One thing that really blew us away was hearing how each person had heard about the retreat and how they ended up being there for it. One couple was gifted the retreat by some friends of theirs, which was amazing. The wife, her name is Michelle, and she shared with me that she had seen us advertise about the retreat, but she just didn't think there was any way that they could make it happen at the time. And so she just said, I saw the thing and I prayed to the Lord in my heart. And I said, God, you know my heart. And I know if we're supposed to be there, that you'll make a way. Well, shortly after that, like that afternoon or something, a friend FaceTimed her and said, just wanted to tell you that you're going to the songwriting retreat with Nathan and Christy in Cisco, Texas. (laughs) She went on to say, we've got your way covered, and now we're going to figure out how to get your husband there too. Of course, Michelle was completely blown away to hear that both of them would indeed be going to the retreat. On top of that, I love this. They had a dear friend contact them and told them that God had impressed upon him to give them $100 cash for spending money for the trip. 
And he was apparently running that morning when God spoke to his heart. And so he answered back to the Lord and said, Okay, Lord, I will give them $100, but I'm going to need you to give me $100 to give them. Well, that afternoon, someone from his church knocked on the door, came by his house, and handed him an envelope with five 20s in it. (laughs) I told Michelle that not only was her faith built in all of that, but so is mine, and hopefully your faith is even being built now, that God will make a way where there is no way. Often we just need to ask. Isn't that beautiful? There was a point in the retreat where we asked the guest songwriters if they wanted to share a song with the group and have Nathan and I give some feedback around their songs. Nathan and I both count it such a privilege to have been in the room for what followed After the first young lady shared her song, I got up and spontaneously just hugged her because I just know how much courage that takes to share a brand new and raw song like that. One sweet woman shared a song that goes hand in hand with her story and how God basically got a hold of her life in a really powerful way. She started singing the song and the room got very quiet. And by the second verse, she was in tears, couldn't even sing, and we were all in tears It truly felt like, I remember thinking, this feels like holy ground as we were able to come around her in that moment and affirm her and say that not only was it a good song, but it was so evident that she was meant to sing that song and that it was her story woven in it that held the power that God was going to use. Our hearts were filled to the absolute brim as we got to sit there and hear all of the songs and their stories, which were all actually Amazing. Our dear friend Raymond Turner also came to the retreat. Um, Raymond's a friend that we probably haven't seen since. I think we thought uh, it was about 2004 the last time we saw him. Raymond was our drummer back in the Watermark days. He and his wife, Maria, were our traveling buddies back in the day, and it was so wonderful to get to see them. It was just total blast from the past. But Raymond, get this, works at a studio set inside of Cook's Children's Hospital in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Apparently, Troy Aikman and Garth Brooks were brought in to help fund this thing and get it designed and built. And then they kind of put out this word that they needed a producer to come in and kind of run the thing. Raymond responded to that job offer and now is kind of sitting in the middle of this creative program that they use all kinds of music therapy for these patients in treatment, and he gets to produce music and kind of help them develop even as singers and songwriters. They actually have albums that you can hear on iTunes under Cook Children's. Uh, We were blown away at the giftedness of these kids. And some of them even wrote the songs, like I said, and they're at a place where some of them are terminally ill, yes, but all of them teeming with life and incredible giftedness and this amazing perspective. And you can hear it in their voices and their songs. Another amazing aspect of Raymond's role there is that he too records heart songs. Made me think of Molly's album. This is actually quite literally heart songs. Raymond and his team have access to this very special stethoscope that they use to actually capture the heartbeat of children. They record it, children that are terminally ill, and they actually create songs to the very beat of that heartbeat. Talk about being able to hear a pin drop in the room as Raymond shared some of the stories 
and played us some of these songs. Raymond gets to partner with the parents in creating the song, kind of gleaning from them what would be meaningful to them. And then he creates the song for them as a tribute to that child. He shared how these songs have been actually used of God to bring families back together in times of grief. Anyway, that just gives you a little idea of what our songwriters retreat was like. We hope to do one of these amazing weekends again. It was just absolutely life-giving to just get to blow wind in the sails of some of these writers. My friend Lauren Chandler, who was also there, I gave her a little smack on the behind. Like literally one morning at breakfast at the retreat, she was standing there and it just, I don't know, felt like the right thing to do in the moment. I just kind of gave her a friendly smack on the butt (laughs) as if she was like the point guard on my basketball team. But later when I heard her song and just got to affirm her that yes, this song is good. And yes, you should be singing it and sharing it. And later when she did share it on Instagram that she sang it at a little show she was a part of a few nights later, I commented back on her Instagram, you know, that all she needed was just a little kick in the pants or, you know, the smack on the butt, whatever. But it's just so fun to me to get to encourage people in their gifting. And I just wanted to share a little around that retreat because it was such a sweet reminder to me that God prepares the things in advance for us that we're going to walk into. I've shared that scripture with you many times, Ephesians 2.10, that we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that were prepared for us in advance. He helped me in hearing the stories of how different songwriters got there and just affirmed to me that He made a way for them to be there, but He also made a way for me to be there and for Nathan. And it wasn't by happenstance, but it was this beautiful thing prepared in advance for all of us to be there together. Well, let's jump in today around our theme, There's No Place Like Home. Last episode, we got to come around beautiful Psalm 84 together and remember that God is both a home for us and He's building a home in us. I'm so loving this theme as it's reminding me that I have a refuge in God that I can run to, and I also am being built into a refuge or a home for the world around me to be invited into. Isn't that just so beautiful to think of as we marry what's going on in our inner life to our outer life, we so beautifully can bring the essence of the kingdom of God, representing Him, like I've said many times to the world around us. After being on the road this past week with our kids, I'm keenly aware that a sense of home is what we need to fight for, both on the road and when we get home. Life or home on the road, I should say, is unpredictable at best, and you kind of have to roll with the punches. In fact, our first night out on the tour, we were headed up to Pennsylvania, and around 4 a.m. or so, I felt the bus stop, and I knew that we could not possibly be in Pennsylvania because of how far that drive is. So I just assumed we were getting gas, and I just fell back asleep. Well, I woke up again at 7 a.m., which was actually like 6 a.m. to our bodies, but we were still sitting there. So I got up, and I went to the bathroom, and I looked out the window, and turns out we were sitting in a KFC parking lot. So I go wake up Nathan to see if he'll go up and talk to the bus drivers to see what's going on. Well, he goes up there, and it turns out that the turbo sensor in our bus was out. And it's funny, Nathan and I have been traveling long enough to know, like, okay, right, it's the turbo sensor. (laughs) We actually knew that it's not a huge deal. And if you can just get the right mechanic to come out in the middle of nowhere and fix it, you're actually going to be good. But if your turbo isn't working, you basically can't 
go fast. You can go like maybe 45 on the highway, I think. Like uphill, it's a lot worse. So imagine if you're trying to make it from Nashville to Pennsylvania. It's going to take you a minute. So thankfully, a mechanic did make his way out. And by around 8.30 or so in the morning, we were rolling again. And even though it made us really late to the venue that day, like we didn't get in until about like two o'clock, I think, but we were still okay. And the beauty of it all is that we actually got to rest a little, just a little extra that first day in. For Nathan and I, it was like a good catch up for losing some sleep over some deadlines that we had before we got to hop on the bus. So it felt amazing just to have that extra bit of rest in our bunks all morning and even through lunchtime. Because honestly, when the bus is moving during the day, there's actually not much else that you can do but rest. So I realized to just look at those moments as little gifts, being forced to do nothing, basically. But upon getting home, the temptation, of course, is to feel buried with the normal pace of life hitting us, all the things we missed, all the things we need to catch up on, like groceries and bills. And today was the realization that both of our car tags are expired and we're both past the grace period. You know, just like a thousand little things like that that have to get done eventually, along with just normal life forging ahead. Our son Noah, I've told you that he just turned 18 this summer. He's been out on the road with us playing acoustic guitar for us and it's his first real music on the road experience and it was just cute. He was telling Nathan that he's seeing firsthand how it's sort of this new rhythm he has to get used to being gone and coming home and sort of having to anticipate and build in times of rest or we've discovered that we'll actually burn out. I think the same is true even when you don't travel, though. I've had to learn that even the pace of life at home with all its wonderful things, the invites to different social things, church activities, friend connection, coffees, lunches. My kids don't do organized sports, but I know some of you with kids, you feel like you're a shuttle most of the week. But I've realized that I have to be really forward-thinking about rest. We've talked about this a lot before, but just building it in, even if it means we're misunderstood sometimes. And I will say, I did not do a great job of this last fall, kind of leading into the Christmas tour right around this time last year. I was just an absolute stress ball, and I kind of let that snowball a little bit all the way into the Christmas season which I really do think 100% contributed to my hearing loss in January. I was so worn down. And I've learned the hard way that if I don't lay myself down some in advance, that God will lay me down and make me rest. Uh, So building in rest, and I mean like putting it on the calendar, I think it helps us be in the head and heart space we need to be in when we do take the stage. And that goes for you too, the stage representing what we're all doing in terms of just our life work each day. I've been learning to look at my calendar and sort of cushion myself with some breathing room after a big stretch of work. I can't match it day for day like work for rest, which would be amazing. But what I can do is build in a few days where I just at least have some flexibility, which I know for all of us feels like a luxury sometimes. One way that I love to build in rest is to build it around resting with friends and family. Sometimes I reach out to family members or friends and just see if they're around for a couple of days, and I'll just kind of go hide in their homes. It doesn't have to be a big, expensive getaway. It can actually cost you like nothing. (laughs) But just to go and kind of rest with friends is one of my favorite things to do. In fact, Michelle Mitchell, who is my guest today, 
We did just that a few weeks ago. After the songwriters retreat in Texas, Nathan flew home to be with the kids, and I stayed over in the Dallas area at Michelle's home that you're going to get to hear about in a minute. And it's funny, Michelle texted me before I was headed to her house, and she was like, are you okay with just kind of playing your visit by ear? Or do you want to like make plans for your visit or where you want to go and all that kind of thing? And I texted back and she was very relieved that I just wanted to play it by ear. I just wanted flexibility. So we did that. We were just flexible. We built in rest. We drank endless coffee. I laid on the floor with her golden doodle bell. We ate good Mexican food. We talked around a candlelit table. We laughed. We cried. And it was just a sweet time of rest. And I loved it. I named today's episode, A House God is Building, because this is the story that has been unfolding in Michelle, and it's a powerful one that I want you to hear about. I know it's powerful, in fact, because I've witnessed firsthand how the enemy has already tried to silence Michelle and even just discourage her to the point of just getting her to want to throw the towel in. And I can tell you this, I knew when I first met Michelle that she was on the brink of something that God was getting ready to open up her world based on the heart stuff she was willing to start walking through, namely some real pain from her places in childhood that felt barren and felt filled with abandonment. And as we learned in the Heart Posture episodes, once you let God have your heart and it's consecrated to Him, you kind of need to hold on for dear life. (laughs) There's so much He can do with a heart that's postured towards Him. doesn't mean the road is going to be easy or smooth sailing, but I do believe He'll make Himself known as the builder of something beautiful in you. Many years ago, we were asked by my brother Eric, who's married to Amaryllis Kristen, that I talk about all the time, but he asked Nathan and I to come lead worship at this youth camp that he and Kristen were in charge of when Eric was a youth pastor back in the day. And I remember him telling us about the theme and that they were going to come around this little book called My Heart, Christ's Home by Robert Boyd Munger. It's a tiny little pamphlet-sized book, actually, that takes you through your heart as if it were a home. And you go through the different rooms in the house. The dining room represents your desires. The study represents our minds and what we're dwelling on. The living room stands for our joy, our life, including who we spend time enjoying. And then there's the hall closet that, you know, stands for the things that we don't really want other people to see. It's the stuff we hide and pretend isn't there. But Eric explained to us that at the end of the week of camp, the students would be transferring the title of their home over to Jesus, that they'd invite Him to come and walk the halls and the rooms of their hearts and allow Him to transform them and take ownership. So Eric asked us if we'd be willing to write a song for the students to sing that week. As Nathan and I sat down to write a song called My Heart, Your Home Was Born, it was just a simple little chorus that actually ended up on one of our Watermark albums, actually, that you might remember. And now you know how it was birthed, but the words are simply this. It says, "'Come and make my heart your home.'" Come and be everything I am and all I know. Search me through and through till my heart becomes a home for you. A home for you, Lord, a home for you. Let everything I do open up a door for you to come through and that my heart would be a place where you want to be. 
Come and make my heart your home. Come and be everything I am and all I know. Search me through and through till my heart becomes a home for you. I'll never forget watching those students who I was just thinking are now all grown-up adults at this point, which I think is really fun to think about. But as we sang, the students actually signed over the title of their hearts to Jesus as a way of symbolically giving Him permission to come and take over and build something beautiful out of the home of their heart. Michelle sent me this quote that she Instagrammed a while back by C.S. Lewis, and I think it fits so perfectly with this. It says, Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what He is doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, so you are not surprised. But presently, He starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominable and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is He up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. This is a tiny bit personal, but a few years ago, Nathan and I realized that the two of us have had the same reoccurring dream for most of our marriage and didn't know it. He started describing this reoccurring dream to me one day, and I must have looked at him like I had seen a ghost because he was like, what? And I started to finish his dream, basically. The dream is that we are walking through a home that we've just gotten possession of. I guess we bought it sight unseen because each time it's this sense that it now belongs to us, but we are just now fully seeing the expansion of it. So we begin walking around and looking at all the different rooms, and the home goes on and on and on. The furnishings are all warm, lots of wood and beautiful rugs and window treatments. It definitely feels palatial, but warm and cozy all at the same time. In some of the rooms, there's a door that takes you into another room, and beyond that, even a more private little den at the back with a fireplace. The sense is that we are surprised around every corner to discover that there's even more. I mentioned Raymond and Maria Turner earlier, our friends who travel with us during our watermark days. Maria is one of those prayer warrior people that I believe truly does hear from the Lord. And I'll never forget her calling me one day. This was probably more than 10 years ago. And she told me, Christy, I have to tell you about this dream I had about you and Nathan and your family. Well, she starts in, and you guessed it. She was like, in my dream, I came to visit your home. And she starts describing this castle of a home with beautiful furnishings and rooms that went on and on and on. And I started finishing her sentences and told her that Nathan and I have had the same dream throughout the years, and we both sat there kind of stunned on the phone. She did have some very specific things in her dream that were not in our dream that I wrote down, and I've very much treasured even to this day, and we talked about it just the other day. But the point is, I think for most of us, our comfort level is for Jesus to stop building and renovating somewhere around the decent little cottage stage. (laughs) We want to stay where it's cozy. We don't want the exposure of a wall dropping here and then there. 
maybe the constant interaction with this new contractor on the scene of our hearts is more than we bargained for. I'll admit right now, sometimes I think it would be way easier to just stay in the little tiny cottage phase and my whole world just be small and easy to manage and my heart protected from any more expanding and renovating. But I think what our dream has represented through the years and different seasons of our lives is deep calling unto deep. I believe it's always been God's way of saying to us, there's more. Don't get content here. There's more. I have a vision. I can see it in you. I want to bust down this wall and build a wing that leads to more. I want another room here and here and a little den with a fireplace in this room. And beyond that little den, someday there's going to be a hallway right there because I can see it and I can build it in you if you'll let me. And just when you think he's done, he says, let's knock out this wall. It's been here a while. And yes, I see that it's a load-bearing wall, but that's okay. I'm going to put a God-sized beam across here, and I'm going to hold you together. I want to expand your living room to make room for others, and let's make that dining room palatial because my desires for you are bigger than any of your desires for yourself could ever be. He's the God of more, and it's crucial for us that we not limit Him. And that resting that we talked about adding into our equation, I believe it just, it carves out time for us to be aware, to not numb out, to take stock, to begin to learn the answers to the questions of our hearts, to allow for renovations in our hearts. We must assess where we're at. We have to get still enough to just be aware of what needs repairing first. The drains and the leaky roof, those must be remedied. And when the repairs are made or being made, we can start opening our heart to the idea of expansion. I do know this. We were never meant to do this alone. Is it messy to invite others in? Absolutely. And it's not something that is done carelessly, but it's something that can be done carefully. Not being guarded, but being full of care for yourself and for others. As you slowly build trust and you let God put up that God-sized beam to hold you and the walls can start coming down. Are people going to hurt you? Totally. In fact, expect it. (laughs) Is God going to do some stuff you don't understand? Yes, He totally will. But to the praise of His glorious grace, He will not leave you or forsake you and He will fulfill His promise to you. Before you hear this interview with Ms. Shaley, I want to read from Isaiah 54 over you today. The header over this passage, the God-sized beam <laughs> over the passage is the eternal covenant of peace. My ESV Bible says as sort of a banner over this next chapter and the one after that, it says, this displays God's own compassion for His people and that it's offered to all. I love that. It says in the comments, the everlasting love of God will heal all of his people's sorrows, if they will enter in now on the terms of his glorious grace. So this isn't a free-for-all, this renovation process. There's a builder, and he has terms, and his terms come from his glorious grace. We need not feel confined by his terms, but loved by his terms. Isaiah 54, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, Burst into song, shout for joy, 
you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with a deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. To me, this is like the days of Noah, where I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted, I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with lapis. I will make your battlements of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, and all your walls of precious stones. All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. In righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. See, it is I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. No weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. This passage, in the most beautiful way, levels the playing field, doesn't it? It puts away any preconceived ideas of what the promise of God truly is. This isn't cookie-cutter house stuff. This is a home He is building in us according to His glorious grace. It's built of precious stones, and its walls cannot be shaken. It assures us that this promise is available to us in every season of life. We don't have to wait until we get to the next milestone, or heaven forbid we get cozy and comfy living the American dream. This promise of God assures us that it's available to all who will enter into its peace. This promise makes nations as numerous as stars from a barren womb. So barren, in fact, that you laugh out loud at the thought of it. He goes even farther than Sarah laughing out loud and naming her son laughter. He says here that in his new covenant, The children of the barren woman will be more than she who is married. This new covenant we have in Christ 
It's a transfer of title that goes beyond the normal terms. Galatians 4, 25-28 reminds us that like Isaac, who means laughter, we are children of promise. Because of Christ, we are born now of the Spirit, and freedom is now our inheritance. It's also what we offer as the people of God. We actually begin to mother a growing family. Our expansion is us living from the freedom that Christ Himself bought for us. And expanding our territory makes room for others to be invited into our home of freedom and restoration. I can't think of a better passage as a banner over this interview you're about to hear. I'm watching Michelle with palms up, trusting God to restore places that she never even expected Him to. And she's sitting right in the middle of the unknown, like we all are today. We look back and we see all that He's done. He's done so much. But we look forward to all that He envisions for our lives and our hearts. And we trust and we say, God, all your promises are yes and amen. Enjoy this chat with my dear friend, Michelle as she shares from the middle of her story of promise, freedom, and restoration. I'll talk to you soon. Well, I'm sitting here with my friend, Shay Shay. <laughs> Michelle Shay. Tell everybody how to say your name. Okay. The appropriate <laughs> pronunciation is actually Michelle, not to be confused with Miss Shaley. Or Meshaley. Or Meshaley. Your name is spelled M-E-S-H-A-L-I. Yeah. It's spelled like you're like a city girl. Like, like I'm Meshaley and I'm (laughs) from like Sweden. But it's actually (laughs) pronounced like where you're from, which is Arkansas. Arkansas, (laughs) Meshay-Shay. I absolutely love it. Your dog, Belle, is making her appearance right now. She is. With her bell. Jingle bells. Her little jingle bells. <laughs> and I'm actually getting to sit finally in your beautiful home in Texas. I'm so glad you came. A little bit came. outside of Dallas. And it is like better than I, it's better than even the pictures. Oh, that's always my hope. Honestly, yes. that's always my hope is that it's somehow like, mm-hmm. somehow even better in person than on like the whole Instagram thing. But Yes. Guys, she flew all the way from Nashville, came to an event here, and then stayed with me, and we've been having so much fun. We tried to do this podcast um, when Michelle was, when you were in, at my house, like, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Like, was that, like, three weeks ago? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I had come to visit you. <laughs> and we had done a photo shoot that day for the Christmas tour, which yes. all of the people watching have hopefully seen those photos, which um, oh you'll see God. more of those as the... Season keeps going because they're beautiful. But, like, it was the end of the photo shoot day, and we, you and I just kind of, like, we got our coffee, and we were yeah. just talking. <laughs> and then we were both, we were both just like, I'm, I feel real tired. Like, I don't know. We both were just kind of, like, beating around the bush. Yeah. Like, maybe we didn't want to do the podcast. <laughs> okay, y'all, so you have to know <laughs> that fast forward, like, an hour and a half later, I was like, where is Michelle? <laughs> So I went upstairs and... No, slash. 
I had been sitting on the couch talking to Christy, and I look over. We're in the mid, like mid conversation, and she's in the recliner, conked out completely. <laughs> so let's like okay. add that. So then, totally, I was busted. <laughs> yeah. So then I was like, "Where is she?" So she had stayed a couple of nights with us, and I was like, "I bet she went up to that little quiet room, which is like Annie's little playroom mm-hmm. that's right off of her room." I walk in, and it is like pitch dark. <laughs> Like the, the 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 lights are off. Like she is fully under the covers. It is five thirty. It's five thirty p.m. This is such a Miss Shaley thing to do. She just like I was like Shay Shay. Like she like raises up her hair. It's just like I hear the door. I hear the door go, and it's Christy, and she's like Miss Shay Shay. I'm like, oh man. Well, we didn't really get the podcast done that day, even though we actually pretended like we did with yeah. a lot of people. But so I. Yes, I w- I've been in town this week, so it's, I was so excited to, like, make my way over to get to see your home. Um, it's been so, so good having you. Well, I've loved it. Thank love you. having you here. And I love finally getting to actually meet your dog, Belle. <laughs> She's, like... She's cradled Belle for, like, 24 hours, guys. Uh, like, we're actually... <laughs> like a baby. <laughs> we're, we've bonded. But, okay, so we met mm-hmm. through If Gathering, right? We First. did. Yeah, like, I think it was maybe three... Three years ago, three mm-hmm. or four years ago, we, like, initially met. Yeah, and you've always, like, um, shot those, like, mm-hmm. with photography, and um, and that started following you, so I knew you had this incredible eye, and, like, mm-hmm. um, you're so gifted at that. I mean, like, literally my favorite. Um, and so then, like, we had you come, like, I had you come to, out to Keeper's Branch, you out did. to my house, yep. um, to shoot um, me for the first time, like, um, like for the podcast, yes. like the very first season. Yes, that was like 2016, right? Yeah. Okay. And I was just kind of like, hey, like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you did and awesome. And like, really, I've done so many photo shoots in the past, like being on record labels and things like that and doing albums, but I had never been in like the, the pilot seat of kind of like hiring someone and like doing that on my yeah. own. And so... It was so fun because normally, like, a lot of people are kind of standing around. When you right. do that for a record label, everyone's kind of looking in on it, and you're just kind of, you feel, like, so, like, I don't know. I always felt self-conscious, like, yeah. everybody watching me, like, smile and, like, try to be <laughs> natural, and then you're just like, ugh. But, um, so it was just you and me that yeah. day, like, out at the house, and and I love, like, one of my favorite things when you um, when you shoot, like, is that you're so good at, like, keeping people relaxed mm. and, like, posing people. Uh, really? Yeah. Good. That's been, like, like kind really of, are. like, a challenge, like, over the years mm-hmm. to, like, because there's an art to that. Mm-hmm. So that's cool hearing that oh my I God. halfway put people at ease. So You absolutely do. You're just like, oh. okay, I want you to, like, just, let's try this. And, like, you really do keep it, like, changing up. Oh. And whereas in the past, like, I feel like, oh, my goodness, I feel like my smile looks stagnant or, like, I've done the same pose for, like, seven pictures but you keep it like moving and yeah. I've always loved that oh good um so I was thinking about like you just kind of hanging that day and we had some really good conversations we did. And around some chicken salad oh heck yeah <laughs> <laughs> Christy side note has the most beautiful home ever I could like live in there all day every day so I go for the first time to like kind of hang out with her for the first time and meet her and you know do the photo shoot and I go in and there is a 
literal spread in the kitchen of like the best chicken salad I've ever had, ever. And I grew up in Arkansas, so I've had like really good chicken salad. Uh, what else did you have? Like, uh, I mean, like, cheese and crackers, yeah. and I mean, her home, y'all, is like, Aww. I tell people you walk into it and it's like fresh cinnamon rolls, and she's like, hi, come on in. Things to you. I do not bake them, I just it's have awesome. like a candle or something. No, like that, but. no. Yeah. It's always the best house ever to stay in. But I felt like that immediately when I came into your home, like Keeper's Branch. I just oh. walked right in, and I felt like we became fast friends. And oh. that's probably the reason the photo, shoot, the photo shoot felt, like, easier is because it just felt like I was shooting with a friend, and oh. we treated it that way. And we've treated it that way ever since. Yeah. <laughs> we literally have, like, yes. just hung out, and then I've, like, snapped photos. Well, it's been fun. It's so fun. It's been fun to watch you... You've been on a journey. I have. And I would love for you to talk about that because we've been talking about the home God is for us and the home he's building in us. That's mm -hmm. our theme this fall. And you were one of the first people that I thought of, of course, mm -hmm. because I've just been following your journey with everyone else on Instagram. But also, like, I've kind of gotten to see, like, the very beginnings of that. Mm -hmm. And and then there's other people that have been in your life that you, I love how much you tell me about the friends in your life. Oh. Like, like you're just like my friends, so and so, oh, my friends, so and so. And my it's like, friends are so important they to me. They are. And like your relationships sister, like that. And your brother. And yes. it's so neat, like you talking about like, and so that's so much of this season too, is just yeah. going to be like family and friends mm. and those people that, um, and so I'm like, I'm making like a Rolodex in my head when you talk about people was this like, okay, so that's so-and-so she <laughs> yeah. lives there and then she has that kid. And then is the people are so important. People to are relationships like that are so important to me. Yeah. So I try so, to nurture them, you know? Absolutely. And so there's a lot of people that are in your life that have even gone back so much farther and absolutely. have seen like the very, very beginnings yes. of all of what God is like. Even things are coming into fruition now. Mm -hmm. And so talk a little bit about just like, um, okay, first I will say this, is, and this really impressed me because I remember when you were looking for homes, like yeah. we were at If Gathering, yeah. do you remember this? Yes. And you were like checking your phone and I'm like, what's going on? You know, and you're like, okay, well, there's this house, but it yes. wasn't this one, remember? Yes, oh my word. I forget until just this moment yeah. that you were in on that part. Yeah. And it, it was so neat watching you because, and this is just such oh, like, wow. I actually learned from it because wow, yeah. like, you know, when real estate's happening and you really, when you want a yes. home and you're seeing it and you're just like, and your emotions get all like, I just remember like, hearts you it. really were so calm and like releasing that to the Lord. Yeah. You weren't panicking. You weren't like jumping on it with your realtor because she was like, hey, there's this home. I really think that we need to da-da-da-da. Yeah. We need to, like, jump on this. And you were just kind of like, let's wait. I don't know. Like, I just yeah. want to. And, and the fact that and you were at if shooting, you know, yeah. and, and it was just like, I need to focus on this right now. Yes, I and I think to, that at if, so that was the home, the home she's talking about I looked at right before this current home I purchased. But, yeah, that was, it was like, it was like a dream home in, so many ways, like so many things about it fit that mold, mm -hmm. but there was something I wasn't like for sure about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wanted it pretty badly. And I think at that if gathering, mm -hmm. someone made an offer on it. Yeah, that's right. And you were sitting with me. Yeah. And I was, was like, oh my gosh, someone just made an offer on this home that I want so uh -huh. much. Yeah. But yeah, but I just kind of felt like that was. I watched you do that with this house too, though. Yeah. Like this house came and it kind of. 
But it was just, I watched you really just wait, like, for a story to unfold. And yeah. I know that you actually had some dreams and things that, I like, did. God had given you. Yeah. And I don't know that you knew at that point that it was really related to any of this. But, like, I just really love that about you, that you really, it felt like you were just really waiting on the Lord yeah. on this timing. And maybe you just thought, like, I don't know, I'm putting words in your mouth. <laughs> no, no. That is one of the biggest, I feel like, lessons he's taught me through this house process is um, the beauty of, yes, waiting on Him and letting yeah. the story unfold and letting Him take the pen and write it and me not taking, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. me not taking it for myself and trying to control or figure things out, but really just letting Him, like, fully write the story. Yeah, um, but, yeah, I cannot, I'm still kind of in shock because I forgot that you were sitting with me because that was such a big moment in the house hunt. Uh-huh. So tell me kind of how it unfolded. Where are we sitting right now? And what is this journey that you can just kind of take take the yeah. wheel? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I live out in the DFW area, um, area now. But I'm really just like small town girl. I'm from <laughs> mm-hmm. from South Arkansas, from a tiny little town called El Dorado. So I grew up oldest of three kids, and um, grew up there. And was uh, my dad was a minister, and um, mom was a stay at home mom, and so. Grew up there. And there was some brokenness there, right? There was. Learned. Yeah, and I shared a little bit about that on my social media, but just my journey of, um, and I know we all have that brokenness, but um, kind of broken areas growing up. You know, my parents went through a really, really hard, um, really hard divorce when I was 12. And then post-divorce, you know, coming living in a small town and having parents that divorce is, is really hard, much less like a parent in the ministry. So that was tough on me as an eldest child and like, tough on our family as a whole and um just I mean 12 is a pivotal age in itself and so mm-hmm. went through that and that was um really jarring to my identity to be honest that was a, that was the beginning stages of some things I feel like the enemy kind of came in on like at me on at an early age um and post divorce went through some other things as a child that really just kind of hammered that in mm-hmm. and um so just went through a lot of like pain and brokenness and what felt kind of like abandonment through the divorce and through some other things that happened in our family as a child. Um, and I just carried that, you know, that like, I call it kind of an orphan thing, but that non-home yeah. thing mentality, I carried it, you know, all the way into my adulthood. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and I was a believer, you know, walking with the Lord, and but there were some things that desperately needed to be like restored in my life and so that has been um just such a process for me you know mm-hmm. um and I think a lot of us as believers like I tell people all the time the Lord can do whatever he wants when he wants and he I believe that he can do miracles overnight and in a moment you know but a lot of things and a lot of the ways he works he chooses processes yeah. and um so in my life that's been like the case in some of my restorative you know as far as like wounds that have been restored and just emotional areas of healing and things like that yeah I watch you love on your sister Mm. and your brother um I've never met either one of them but I've actually heard you you talk to yeah (laughs) I've gotten videos of your brother apparently like just from you oh yeah 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 (laughs) probably both you're like look what he's doing I know but I love how you love on them, but mm-hmm. what was that like, I guess, as the oldest? Like, yeah. how? what was that dynamic like of you kind of having to 
carry, you did carry it. You shouldn't have. Yeah. It wasn't yours to carry, but you did. Yeah. And what has that been like as the oldest yeah. child? Well, the birth order thing is real. Like, I went to school actually not for photography, but for, like, counseling and social work. So we studied, like, the birth order. And I thought, oh, my word, this is so, like, yeah. true and real. But, yeah, I just loved them so deeply. I've always been such a lover and a feeler and, and all that and loved them so deeply. But, um Pain has a way of, like, when you go through pain together, it has a way of bonding you and connecting you. Yeah. And being that oldest child, I just always carried kind of a, a responsibility I shouldn't carry, but also just kind of a protective, you know, mm-hmm. whatever covering over them I tried to be. And so we're, like, thick as thieves. That's, yeah. probably a southern, that's probably a southern term in itself. But, like, we are. I mean, we are. They are, like, my very, very, very best of friends. And um, the bond we have is, like, has always been, but is so, so special. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think pain has a way of doing that. It's kind of like the beauty when it you come through that, something like that with people. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's like nothing that could break us now, you know? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and this theme, one of the um, things that I've kind of shared was from that, the House Within Us book that you, I saw yeah. that you ordered. Yeah, yeah or the Home Within Us. The Home Within Us, yeah. And um, he talks about mirroring the interior and exterior Mm -hmm. of our lives Mm -hmm. and I've watched that really happen with you as I've just read Mm -hmm. your posts and like we've all kind of gotten to peek in a little bit um you bought this farmhouse tell me how old it is again so it's an so I just purchased and I guess it was May 3rd that I closed which Mm -hmm. is crazy um an 1886 farmhouse Mm -hmm. so and it's sitting on (laughs) some like really land and just this home was significant because this, these they were believers yes. right this family yes. you know the people that yes I do yeah, know which I love and they were kind of reluctant to get rid of it yeah so, but yeah the sellers um so the house has been like in the same family since it was built yeah, so that. when I was born like the house was already like 100 years old so it's just been a crazy journey like buying it and restoring it but yeah the the family it's so cool the family that sold it to me they're believers Mm -hmm. and now we've been in touch and have like bonded Mm -hmm. and like I told you earlier they came to my house warming and have been like a part of the restoration process which has been so so cool for me you know um so so one of the things that I loved seeing um you kind of told me about it, but I think you may have posted about it too, is that yeah. when you guys were working on the bathroom, yeah. um, you were kind of peeling off layers, yeah. right? Yeah. And you peeled off <sighs> until you got <sighs> to this layer. Yeah. And what? tell everyone what you found, like, in yeah. the bathroom. Well, this house, like, I could, this podcast would be, like, 10 hours if I went on and on <laughs> about, like, what, how the Lord has, like, how there's been so much, um, symbolism in this specific house with like my healing um just how he's been restoring me almost like he's been I've been restoring this home room to room and he's been restoring me room to room um so anyways like in the uh just for instance like in the bathroom we go in to gut it you know it's an 1886 house so there's just like layers of life on these walls I mean I walk through the house all the time and think if these walls could talk to me oh my the stories they would tell you know and the people and the life that's been in here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we start peeling back the layers um, of the bathroom, and we get back to one of, like, the bare layers, and the the wallpaper that was in the bathroom was the same wallpaper 
that was from like the house I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And it was so cool because the Holy Spirit speaks the language of our hearts. Yeah. And He knows things like past and future and present and all that in between. And it's like so beautiful. And like in that moment, like I don't know how to explain it when I saw that wallpaper all these feelings of um, from the home that I grew up in and experienced all that pain and abandonment and loss and, like, deep just grief, you know, mm-hmm. that almost kind of, like, when I saw it, it almost kind of came back. Like, I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and the Lord kind of, like, we ad- like we kind of almost addressed that together. And mm-hmm. then we gutted it, and then we painted it in alabaster white color, which is representative of, like, all things new. Mm-hmm. So we covered that. Um, with, I felt like, just like new beginnings, you know, like him just coming in and going, hey, all that's gone now. And -hmm. like the new has come. And so painted it and it's just been, it's been, I tell people if for no one else, like on the planet, just for me and him, Mm -hmm. like to walk these floors together, like I could cry right now, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, just the work he's done in my heart has just been it's an experience I'll never, ever, ever forget. Mm. It's been one of the most, like, divine experiences, you know. And when I said yes to the house, I had no idea that it was coming. He's just awesome like that, you know. But, like, he knew what I needed. Yeah. And um, and I just think I just, he's just awesome. And, like, even being visual and how he created me. Yeah. And, like, teaching me through this home. And, mm. um, I don't know, just kind of he and I together, you know. Mm. Um, so I've hoped in turn it can be hope for other people who like desperately need restoration in their lives. And I think that's why this message has like resounded so deeply with like so many people is we've all been there, you know? Um, and so I've gotten emails from all, I mean, all over the nation, like of people just like the restoration message is so resonating with me because Mm -hmm. I need restoration so bad in this area of my life. Can you pray with me or... Um, and the whole process thing has been huge too, you know, just like the Lord's grace in the process. It takes time. It's been huge. It does. And yeah, I, um, I was having a conversation the other day with someone and I was telling them about like how the Holy Spirit has ministered to me in Mark 8 mm-hmm. and how Jesus heals the blind man. Yeah. And he's so compassionate and gracious and it says he lays his hands on him and he heals him. And he says, what do you see? And the man goes... I see people, but they look like trees. Mm. So his sight was restored, mm. but he still, like, wasn't getting it, you know? Like, he was like, and Jesus was so compassionate and could have said, I just healed you. What are you doing? Like, he could, you <laughs> yeah. know? But he, but the Bible says he laid his hands back on him mm. and touched him. And he said, what do you see? Mm. And the man goes, I can fully see. And then he says, and then the Bible says, and then... And then the words are so powerful. He says, the words say, and then his sight was fully restored. Mm. You know? And so I resonate with that because there's been so many times in my life where I have these areas the Lord's working on. Yeah. And he's like, what do you see? And I'm like, I see, I think. But, like, yeah. I don't see clearly. And then he's so gracious to go, okay, let's do it again. And then, mm. you know, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I can see. You it's know? Beautiful. And so that's been, like, the whole message that the Holy Spirit has spoken to me through this house thing is like sometimes restoration's like a moment, you know, done in a moment and sometimes it's a process and it's the way he chooses to do it. 
you know, in, um, in his time, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, we've been walking through your house trying to figure out where we're going to put a hallway. <laughs> I figure, I've been selfish, to be honest, because, like, I wanted her to come see me. I'm just going to say this. Like, I wanted her to come see me, but I also, like, her, her design skills are off the charts. So I kept her up till 1 a.m., walking the house with her, and she was such a good friend, like, trying to figure this thing out and how we're going to reconstruct and <laughs> where we're going to put walls and, and all that. Well, you were making me cry, so I just kind of, like, changed the subject really fast. But um, no. but it's neat to think, like, there's more to come. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's more that he's even going to do. Yeah. Like, because of, I think, your willingness to even just put your heart in his hands in the first place. Yeah. And say, like, you can have my heart. Yeah. Please restore my heart, mm-hmm. you know, and and let him put his hands over our eyes mm-hmm. and, like, try again. And, yeah. You know? Um, and you think you get to a certain point, like, you know, with him, there's all these new beginnings, but, mm-hmm. like, with the home, I've bought the home, and I've been restoring the home, and I thought kind of I was at this, like, okay, this ending point, mm-hmm. and a mentor of mine put her hands on my face the other day and said, this is just the beginning, sweet girl. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, and I was like, mm-hmm. and it just, like, the Lord, you know, opened my eyes to, yeah, what you just said, like, there's more. Yeah. There's more and There's more. There's a hallway and, and absolutely. It leads to these other rooms. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and things we don't even see quite yet. Mm. You know. Yeah, but, I love that you told me that um, you had a dream, and and also the woman that was living here, whose families, you know, yeah. this was their home. Mm-hmm. She also had a dream, and she like shared with your realtor like she I did. had a dream about this home. Mm-hmm. Um, just tell me a little bit about that, just because yeah. I think that builds people's faith. Absolutely. When, like, you know, I know that God doesn't always um, speak to everyone through dreams, right. but I have learned that He does speak that way. He does, and, yeah. um, I think that's like, just it built my faith, like yeah. hearing that you both mm-hmm. had that dream, and I think it was a part of how she was able to release this amazing home that was like so meaningful to them. Yeah. So just... I a little yeah. bit about that. I think that's so sweet. I do too, yeah. And I didn't even know about the dream she had. Um, so I was so thankful my realtor shared that with me, and then we were able to talk about it. But she actually had a dream five years ago about the house. And mm-hmm. she had gone through some things herself, and the Lord was doing some some deep restoration in her life that she's like openly shared about. But she had a dream that she came over this hill that you've mm-hmm. seen right yeah. here, and saw the house, and she said that there was, um, she saw the words freedom and restoration mm. over the house, and she, the Lord spoke to her and said that this would be a house of freedom and restoration for people and a house of ministry. Mm. And at the time, you know, going walking through that pain, she had no idea what that meant, and certainly had no idea that, like, that meant in five years some crazy girl from Arkansas was going to buy her <laughs> house. And, you know, the story has been so much beyond you know so beyond what either one of us knew um but yeah so she had that dream five years ago and I think that played a big part in her being able to like release something so precious to her you know to someone else so Mm -hmm. because we really connected over the faith thing immediately and felt like we were family she literally texted me and said I feel like we're family and I was like we are (laughs) and I was like come over anytime like you this can still be your house (laughs) I literally texted her that I was like this can still be your house come over and like they came to the housewarming and yeah and I mean this is such a big part of her life and story this home and um she's kind of shared a lot of the memories with me from like, you know, 
just stories about things that happened in the house. So that's been really neat too. But yeah, so. What about your side of the dream? Like you don't oh, have to yeah. tell it all. Oh yeah, I, didn't, I forgot. I didn't it's even. so specific. It is. Just share what you you want to share, but I just think so, it's yeah. faith building. I do too. Yeah. So I actually had a dream um, on December second before I was even house hunting, and I've always believed in prophetic dreams. But I've never been one to say that I just have them all the time. Yeah. Um, but I'd gone out to Austin to the Hill Country to shoot a wedding. You know, I'm a wedding photographer. Yeah. So I drive out um, on December 2nd to um, this Airbnb out in the middle of the woods. There's absolutely, like, no cell phone reception. Um, so, and there's no TV. <laughs> there's like no, So I'm like, what do we do? Yeah. Uh, just sit there. No, so it's like 9 o'clock. So I think, well, I'll just rest up for the wedding tomorrow and go ahead and go to bed. So I go to sleep, and in the middle of the night, I have this dream, and um, I'm back in my hometown, so the town I grew up in, that I love, by the way, but like all of us just experienced, you know, the deep pain that I've been referencing, I experienced there. So I'm in that hometown, and I come up on the stop sign of the street that I grew up on after my parents divorced, and there was a house there that really, really symbolized this pain. Like, it was a place of um, hurt and abandonment and abuse and loss and just a lot of darkness in my life that I'd experienced some pretty deep wounding in. And in the dream, I am, like, approaching the the lot of the house, and I get up to it, like, where the sidewalk is, and I realize that that whole house has been leveled. Like, it is completely gone like so all the old was just bulldozed like there was no trace of it and there is a brand new like house being built on the lot and it's white and it's again the holy spirit speaks the language of your heart so it's like all these like ephesians 320 things of my heart like Mm -hmm. like all that i would pray for but more like this white home with you know windows that kind of run up and down and these Mm -hmm. beams and tons of natural light, and there were three men in the dream working on the house, like hard at work. Um, There was a man hanging windows, like on the right side. He never even looked at me. He was just working on these windows. There was a man on the roof working away, and then there was a man directly in front of me, like on the porch, and he was knelt down on his knees, like working on a beam. And um, I just was in awe, like, standing there going, like, the Lord was like, you know, the old of your life. I felt like the house was me, and the old had gone, and the new was coming. And um, the man on the be- on the front porch that was working on the beams just stopped what he was doing, and he turned and looked at me, and I just right in the eye and just waved. Mm-hmm. And I, like, waved back at him in the dream, and then he just turned around and started working again. And I kind of waved my hand and looked, like took it all in, and boom, it was over. And I woke up, and immediately that morning, December 3rd, it was so, like, personally powerful, like, right. significant. I knew the second I had the dream that it was, like, significant. Yeah. So I started writing it down, and I wrote the word restoration wow. and started writing about restoration, how the old had gone, and the Lord at the time, I had no idea that meant maybe a physical house, too. I literally just thought it meant it was symbolic of me, me yeah. as a home, yeah. and how the Lord was, like, bulldozing the old, and he was building a new, and, like, he wanted to come live in that house himself, you know, mm-hmm. with me. And um, so, yeah, so, like, I wake up. I call my mentor, like, spiritual mom. I, I'm like, I had this dream, 
and I've got to tell you about it. And I know that the Lord is speaking to me and she prayed on it and confirmed. So I started, I told just a few people that I trust deeply. And um, so the dream happened. And then, like I, like I said, at that time, I had no idea. I mean, I wasn't even on the hunt for an actual physical home. I was living in Dallas in a loft and, you know, and um, in February, I just felt like all of a sudden it was time to look for a house and met with a realtor <laughs> and my realtor's a believer and she's just beyond amazing. And we start house hunting and soon after we find this house and it's like, it's it, you know? It's amazing. Yeah. Well, one thing that I've loved, there were three men in your dream yeah. and I've heard you say maybe that's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yeah. like. I would, I would definitely like, yeah. that's the first impression I got. And I yeah. think maybe your mentor or like your, yeah. you just said that, yeah. like that, that's what you felt as well. Um, when you told me that part of the dream as well, though, yeah. you also just said there's also been like this whole community yeah. that's come around you yes. with this home. And yeah. I think that so goes hand in hand with um, our sense of home, oh, my word. doesn't it? Yes. Like, and that's like, it's, it's even just like the provision that like God has given for this restoration to happen in your heart. Absolutely. Like there's been provision, yes, for you to actually, you know, build some things and like redo this home and like, you know, have money to do the tile on the floor and all those kind of things. But like part of our provision is in our our people. Absolutely. like the community. And that's what I've loved to hear you talk about. You're like, yeah, this guy, he's been helping me with this. And then there's this girl and then she comes over and gets my dog. It's been, it's it's been absolutely supernatural. It's like the roots and wings thing I told you about, but the roots he's given me in this home Mm -hmm. in him first, but like the community he has supernaturally surrounded me with. Um, Like one of my favorite things about the home being based here is it's a, revolving door like yeah. truly like you and I've been here for the day so you know that hasn't been the case but revolving door and just supernatural I'm not kidding like people just helping and coming over and painting and just everybody coming together and making it happen for me which that in itself has been healing for me I bet. you know like just that community of believers and people that love you through like acts of service like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, to help someone move is big enough, but to come like remodel their home and help them paint and and leave pumpkin bread leave on your Leave pumpkin swing. bread on my porch. That's what was swing. here yesterday when I got here. She's like, "Look at these sweet people like brought me pumpkin I bread know. and put it on my porch swing." Yeah, people it was from like, "We love you, Michelle." Yeah, people from my church text me yesterday and they're like, "We love you. We were making pumpkin bread today and thought of you and I'm going to drop it by on your porch, you know, your porch swing and just like take care. I mean, just such provision and kindness and like, mm. and that's healing, you know? Um, so that, that in itself, I've really like, and maybe it's both, both and like, I've really prayed through that. Like, you know, Lord, what does that even mean? There's parts of the dream that I'm still like kind of waiting to see fully unfold. Like, what does this mm. mean or this mean? And the three men, I felt like that was pretty specific. You know, the three men, I thought Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but I also thought it was symbolic of the yeah. people that would come around me, yeah. like me as a home, and help yeah. rebuild this, you know, mm-hmm. the home within me type of thing. So, like, so I think it's kind of a both and. Like, the more I move forward in this story, totally. and I think both have played this massive role in, like, the rebuilding of this house yeah. and, like, the restoration of my life. Yeah. Well, we could keep going, like, yeah. for a really long time. Oh, people yeah. might just kind of tune out. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're going to go now. 
I love that we're ending. And I have of, to take you to the airport. Yes, you do. <laughs> I, I probably should do that. It's about that time. But we're ending, I love it, in like the golden hour outside. Mm-hmm. Like, are. isn't that like the magic hour for yeah. photographers? Yeah, the, the magic, when the magic happens, yeah, for we were, sure. We were watching a movie the other night, uh, Nathan and I, and he's like, and there was, they were like obviously filming in the magic hour. Ah, and you know, you have to get it within those like yeah. few minutes yeah. where it's over. And he was like, isn't it amazing that... Mm-hmm. There's no light, artificial light, that re- can recreate mm-hmm. the sunset like that, like the, the magic it's hour. so true. And I thought about you when you said that. I was like, yeah. It's so true. It's, ner- it's nerdy photographer talk, we call it. But, like, we live, <laughs> we like live for that. I actually have an app on my phone called Magic Hour. Yeah. <laughs> so when I go places in different locations, it'll tell you, like, when magic hour's happening, you know. So. Wow. I reckon there's, like... A magic hour to everything, and this is pretty much it for this interview. So, I love it. I love it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for having me here Absolutely. in your home. Come back. Come back soon.